Cinema Jaws is sponsored by Overcast, an independent podcast app that embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down. No exclusives, no premium content, no paywalls. Just a great podcast app for everyone. Get it for free in the App Store. And we thank them for their support. Listening to Cinema Jaw, the greatest movies podcast ever, recorded on location from our respective homes in Chicago. My name is Matt Kay, and with me is Rye the Movie Guy, and sitting alongside us is Phil Me and Phil. Hello, how are we doing tonight, guys? This week on Cinema Jaw, Matt, we get into an ambulance chased by cops, shooting at the bad guys, shooting at the good guys, as we cover our top five favorite. Action directors. Yeah. We're going to need an ambulance after these reviews. Yes. I mean, uh, ambulance is... Michael a, Bay's new flick, right? Yeah. With Jake Gyllenhaal. That's where I was going with this. Mm-hmm. What, a, what a vehicle to put in an action movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And being a Michael Bay movie, he is one of the most prolific action directors. Now, not saying everybody has to like his action movies, but there's no doubt... When you think action, Michael Bay's name does float up to the top. And because he has a new movie out with Jake Gyllenhaal, we decided good time to actually look at action directors and who's the best in the biz. So we looked at, you know, we just got done doing our directors that have done the best three in a row. Right. So thinking directors, thinking action, easy to come up with. Let's talk action directors. You just got directors on your brain. It's like whenever we can't think of a topic, you're like, why don't we do best directors who made a scene about whiskey bottles, you know, or something very esoteric, but it's always directors. I'd like to see that list. Yeah, I would too. (laughs) Besides that, we have more going on, don't we, Phil? Yes, it is officially April. God, I hate that. Uh, Time is flying by too fast, but there is a a silver lining. There is a light at the end of this April-shaped tunnel, and it's that we have a new theme, baby. And we'll get to that in just a little bit. And we have two reviews, as mentioned. Ambulance is one of them, and everything, everywhere, all at once. Can't wait to talk about both these films, Matt. Plus, in honor of Ambulance with Jake Gyllenhaal, we are playing a Stump the Kabinsky Jake Gyllenhaal themed. All right. I know a little bit about Jake. We'll see how I do. Because he makes movies quite often, we have played Jake Gyllenhaal trivia probably two, three times here on Cinema Jaw. I'm going to let you know now. These are hard questions. All right. These are hard Jake Gyllenhaal questions. Okay. You'll probably stump me, but we'll see. I'm going to be optimistic, Ryan, instead of pessimistic. Good. The beer is half full. Awesome. But when um, it's half empty, then I probably won't remember anything about Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> and Matt, Matt has a few beers going. Well, yeah. You know, it's a tradition. Matt is actually recording. He is at my house. This is a weird setup that we have here. We, we can paint the picture here for the jawheads. This is the first time we've even attempted this. Matt is over at my house. Me and Matt are recording. Phil is out in Seattle, and we're looking at him via Zoom. So Just like Demolition Man, it's, man. It's very strange. It's like we can look over to the left and we got Phil on the computer screen yep. and me and you here in person. I know. It is weird. We've done so many of these on Zoom, though. It's nice to at least be mostly in person. Agree. I wish Phil was still 
a present, you know? Yes. Were you going to say with us? As if I had died? I guess I was going to say with us, but not in that sense, you know. Yes, you're with us, but I meant in the room. (laughs) I I just like the idea that I died. It comes off very funny. (laughs) So, Jawheads, you may have noticed we were off last week. We did release a a mini episode. Nothing much happened, though, in the world of Hollywood. No, No. of course not. We, We take a week off, honestly, and all hell breaks loose. So I had went on a cruise. It was spring break. This cruise had been planned for almost two years because of COVID. Things had gotten delayed. And so I had been looking forward to this for a very long time. You, and flew, you flew private? Yeah, we don't got to get into all the details. No, I man. think you should, man. <laughs> this guy flies private. But we went down to Florida, took, took a trip with the family. It was, it was fantastic. Had a great time. I was worried. I was concerned because when I saw the date of the cruise... I realized that I was going to be on a cruise ship on Oscar Sunday. And for the people out there that are fans of the Oscars, me being one of them, this is, this is God honest truth. I probably have not missed an Oscar telecast in 25 plus years. So I didn't know what to do. I wasn't positive. It it's was your even, Super Bowl. Yeah. I wasn't even sure it was going to be on the cruise ship. And I thought, man, this is just a disaster. Well, lo and behold, it was going to be on the cruise ship. Not only where they're going to broadcast it, but they put it in the big theater for people who have been on a cruise ship. This is like a 2000 seat theater that usually stages like productions like Greece and musicals and such on that particular night, they were going to play the Oscars in the auditorium, get in there. And they even go far as to say that the way they get the feed is a special satellite feed comes over from ABC and there will be no interruptions in case, and the guy makes a joke, in case something crazy happens at the Oscars, so you know, you'll have no delay and there won't be any way they can beep out anything. It'll be as is broadcast. Like, oh yeah, like that mat- matters at the Oscars. Too bad that didn't come in handy, huh? <laughs> and wow, the sparks flew, let me tell you. Before we get to the controversy, though, I want to give credit to you, Matt K. Two years in a row this marks that your number one movie of the year, mm-hmm. has won the Best Picture Oscar. Well, lo and behold, Ryan, people should start paying attention to me, you know? Like, <laughs> I, I know something about movies. I may not be Matt K, the movie guy, but I know how to pick a winner. You did have Coda as number one. The year prior, you had No Man Land at number one. Two Oscar winners. Yeah. Well done, Matt And K. let's be honest, Mandy was the Best Picture that year. Let's be honest. <laughs> I think Mandy was already two years earlier. It was probably two years earlier. Yes, early. you're way off. But... For all the other Oscar winners, before we get to the big news that was made, congratulations to Quest Love. I loved Summer of Soul. I was so glad to see. That was your favorite movie. It was up there, but it wasn't my favorite, but it was way up there. Um, Jane Campion winning for Best Director. Back-to-back female directors win. That was fantastic. Jessica Chastain, I thought, was a bit of a surprise, but she sort of became the front runner there at the end. Yep. I was glad for Troy Troy Kotzer. Kotzer from Coda was great. And that was historic, right? I mean, only the second deaf person to win an Oscar. And it was great. It was. So, and seeing Dune win six Oscars for mainly the technical stuff, but all the sound and special effects, I was happy for the whole team over at Dune. I thought it was a really well done Oscars for the people who won. I thought deserved it. I, I went along with the picks. And then we have this major controversy that takes place. And of course, I'm talking about 
Will Smith slapping Chris Rock in front of basically the world. The slap heard round the world. I was watching on the cruise ship, and it was it was literally stunning because again, there no beeping out, so we had the f bombs and everything included. That's nice. And it was it was dead silent in the theater I was in. I can only imagine what it was like being in the room at the Oscars. Yeah, you know everybody's got their opinions about about this, and and I think we should do a little special thing for for the Patreons and really delve into. Our thoughts on the whole Will Smith, Chris Rock controversy. The slap. Okay. okay. You want to do that for the patrons? We'll record it tonight after we get done with this right. podcast. You heard that it. Good? That's great. You heard it here, Jawhead. So if you're not already a patron, that wasn't like some like slimy plug. You can join for like a nickel, I believe. Any amount gets you access to our uh, patrons-only content. And this should be going up at the same time as, as this podcast. So if you're hearing this, it's already live on our patron feed. How fantastic. There was other news that took place that I think the Jawheads would get a kick out of. Yes. We mentioned this about, again, about two years ago. Due to COVID, there was a delay. It was a, a complete honor. My high school, Nazareth Academy, located in LaGrange Park, Illinois. Mm. Fabulous LaGrange. Yes. Matt, Matt was out there. We'll get to that in a second. They had called me up out of the blue and informed me that due to my involvement in cinema jaw and film criticism that they were inducting me into the fine arts hall of fame at my I, high school. I have a question about this. Did they call you just out of the blue? Out of the blue. You didn't like like put in your name? Like, no. And at first I actually thought it was a joke. I like thought a my, scam? Because I'm still good friends with some high school buddies. And I thought, what What did they do? What is this, a joke? You know, I texted everybody and uh, lo and behold, they wanted to put me into the hall of fame. It was supposed to happen again right before... Uh, COVID took place. It was sometime in, I think, April of that year. April and, of 2020, right. right. And yes. then it, it got delayed. They didn't know when they were going to do it. They pushed it all the way back, and it ended up falling on the Saturday, I should say the Sunday, that I would have uh, come back from the cruise. Now, I'm down in Florida, and I'm supposed to come back on Saturday, right before, nice and tan for my induction into the Hall yeah, of you Fame. Look, you look nice. Thank you. Very excited about this. And we're, we get to the airport, and there's massive delays on Southwest. Now I'm flying commercial back. And there's massive delays. There's storms in like central Florida. And they end up canceling a bunch of flights, a bunch of flights, and then finally announce that our flight's also been canceled. My cousin gets up there. They say we can't get out of Florida until late Monday, maybe even early Tuesday morning. So I'm going to miss my own Hall of Fame introduction. What do I do? What do I do? You call Matt Kay. That's what you do. I get on the phone with Matt. I explain the situation. Matt was going to come and support me. and and Oh, yeah. No, I would have missed it. This was like I was living vicariously through you. This was really my award. So being able to be there and actually go up and accept the award was great because I really wanted to accept the award, you know? So it was it was truly an honor to be honored in your, on your behalf. <laughs> Maybe for Wait, the first time. What the time... jawheads don't know is that Matt actually started shaving his head... He started wearing uh, <laughs> he started wearing quarter zip sweatshirts more often. He's really <laughs> assuming the role. He he is method acting his ride the God movie no. guy. I wore my combat boots into the into the <laughs> what do you even call that? The church, I guess. The it, the the um, chapel. Yes, it was at the chapel. But I, I I mean maybe for the first time in the history of high school hall of fame introductions, 
a, a friend came and accepted on behalf of, <laughs> yeah, of the actual weird. honor. <laughs> it got a chuckle in the audience, man. It got a chuckle. Uh, and I honestly, dude, I really was stoked. Like I didn't even mind. I'm not a religious person. I'm pretty secular, but I didn't even mind sitting through everything. Like I haven't been to a church service since I was like a kid. It's been like 20 years or something. So it was kind of nice, a little boring if I'm being honest, but uh, then the awards came and like everybody was really excited. Most of the people there were either accepting an award or the family of people accepting awards, or I should say a lot of the people there, maybe like a third of them. So, you know, I was in good company and everybody was very happy. It was fun. It was a sunny day. It was great. And you didn't make an ass out of yourself. I don't think so. I, I mean, I would have been making an ass out of you, not myself. But None you, of these people know me. Do tell me you didn't wear that black leather jacket into the, I did into not, the chapel. Thank you. No, I put on a, I put on a, a blazer over my uh, T-shirt. And I think I wore a uh, Chicago International Film Festival T-shirt nice. under, under my blazer. So since we're recording today at my house, Matt brought my award, which is a nice glass thing, and it's got my it's name a, and everything. It's, it's fantastic. star trophy. Yeah. Yeah, putting, it's it nice. in, putting it in the screen room. Thank you for filling in for me. You're welcome, Ryan. It was my pleasure, seriously. Yes, that was awesome. And and Matt, so you know, Matt was mentioned in my introduction. Yeah. I, I had told them what to say, kind of, you know, like things to highlight. And I had mentioned that this is co-founded and partly, you know, with all through Matt K. So we'll get a picture of the award and post it on the Instagram. I think we I should. Like it. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's everything we got. That's yeah. our, our housekeeping, housekeeping. Housekeeping is accomplished. As Phil mentioned, it is April. It is a new month. And we are stoked. We are stoked with who we are celebrating. Phil, who do we got? April. I hope that all the jawheads at home are emotionally and mentally prepared to get absolutely crazy this month. Because we're celebrating Nicholas Cage. Hell yeah. I like it. He has a new movie, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which comes out April 15th. I was stunned that we have not celebrated Nick Cage. I was convinced that we had, but we looked through our log that we keep here, and we do not have Nick Cage listed as somebody that we have honored. If it happened, it's before we started that log, which is three-plus years ago. So Let's yeah, be real. Couple... Every month is Nicolas Cage month Heck in yeah. our book. In my book, for sure. I love it. Well, let's kick off Nicolas Cage month with a fact. Listen, okay? You gotta love my guy, Nicolas Cage, okay? Man is in some serious financial problems, and he still has the moxie to pull off something as crazy as this week's fact. Nicolas Cage owns a pyramid-shaped tomb in New Orleans. The tomb is located in St. Louis Cemetery, New Orleans French Quarter, ready for him to be placed inside when he eventually passes away. The Nicolas Cage is immortal. That's what I'm saying. And when he does die, he's going to start riding a motorcycle. It was just what I'm talking about. This was truly a wasted purchase. We already know this. It's canon. Uh, his empty tomb sits among the tombs of such other notable figures as voodoo queen Marie Laveau. Yes, that Marie Laveau. And it can only be seen while on a license tour offered by the New Orleans Catholic Church. While it is not clear how much Nick paid for his nine-foot-high tomb when he purchased it in 2010. Uh, some people are saying as much as $40,000, if you can believe it. 
The And the final bit here, the inscription on the front reads Omnia Ab Uno, Latin for everything from one. <laughs> Dude is a weird guy. Probably I meaning hope- everything from one Coppola family heritage. And that's how he got this tomb. I hope we get weird facts like that all month long. I do too. I if do we too. if we get something normal like Nicolas Cage was born in Germany and in Miss Congeniality or whatever movie Sandy spoke, if we get something that boring, I will be so disappointed in Nicolas Cage. I already know what fact I'm pulling next week. <laughs> oh, nice. I already got it in the back of my mind. That that pyramid shaped tune just inspired me. <laughs> all right, Nick Cage month is off and running here on. Cinema Jaw. But, Ryan, we have a review for you guys. The new film from Michael Bay, Ambulance. Jake Gyllenhaal teams up with filmmaker Michael Bay to make a bank robbery gone wrong action thrill ride movie. Okay, sign me up. Oh, wait, they're in an ambulance for the whole movie? Oh, crap. How's that right? You put your life down on the line for this country? You leave your family, your home? How much do you need? 231. How about more? 32 million. And I need an extra man. I came to you for a loan. Look, have I ever gotten you anything that I couldn't get you out of? It's time for you to do something for your family. Here's what's happening in the movie, Ryan. War veteran Will Sharp desperately needs money for his wife's surgery. So he reaches out to Danny, his adopted brother and lifelong criminal, who talks him into taking part in a bank heist. Everything is going swimmingly until Officer Zack who wants to go in to ask out a bank teller, is held hostage and accidentally shot by Will. The only way out of the whole situation is in the back of an ambulance with two first responder hostages, the cop who, sh- who got shot and an EMT. And soon, a 136-minute chase scene ensues. This movie is a high-octane, non-stop, pedal-to-the-metal thrill ride that is short on brains and is plentiful in speed. And I was 100% okay with that. Aside from a couple of head-scratching, absurd moments that actually have some charm in their own right, the action here is pretty darn respectable. Car chases, helicopters flying low, shootouts and explosions, it's all here. Throw in some dazzling drone shots that swoop and flip down the sides of the LA skyline, and you have a highly decent action flick. Some have called this a return to form for Michael Bay, and I couldn't agree more. This is the type of movie he is known for, and you will get pretty much what you expect, maybe, in fact, a little bit more. Cast-wise, Gyllenhaal is perfect as the smarmy, self-absorbed robber. Unfortunately, the, the rest of the cast is a bit of a mixed bag. Yahya Abdul-Mateen as the brother Will is serviceable. And Isa Gonzalez has a decent character arc that I decided to just go with. But the cops are an absolute mess. They're given personalities only to get killed for no reason and strangely replaced. The dialogue is as ridiculous as their tactics. Cops do not come out looking good in this film. It's easy to dismiss a picture like this as trash. And perhaps it is. It's loud, violent, and kinetic, but it's damn entertaining, and I think you should see it before your spleen bursts. Wow. 
I was wondering, me and Matt actually sat right next to each other during the screening, and I, I, I couldn't tell by your body language if you liked it or thought it was just a hot pile of crap. I couldn't <laughs> well, tell. I couldn't tell if I liked it or thought it was a hot pile of crap either until about like two-thirds of the way through. I'm like, I'm in. I'm yeah. in. We'll get to the, the scene where I think we both really enjoyed it. I mean, there's yeah. one highlight here for sure. I even noted it in my notes that it's one of the better scenes of the year. For You're sure. not talking about the spleen, are you? Yes. Okay. All right. We've got to talk about this. <laughs> but before we get there, I didn't actually think Michael Bay could out Michael Bay himself, but I think he has. I mean, it's it's one of those deals, very much like a Nick Cage where he keeps one-upping himself with his intensity, where Nick uh, Michael Bay just keeps getting bigger and bigger and crazier and crazier ridiculousness on screen. I mean, it's just insane. Somehow it works because we know it's a Michael Bay movie. But for me, I thought it fell just short of that strange plateau where it's so crazy and ridiculous, it becomes fun and accepting. It was just short of that for Hmm. me. No, I think it got there. But I'm glad we're celebrating Nick Cage this month because Jake Gyllenhaal did his best impression of a Nick Cage performance. I mean, he yelled every single line he delivered in this movie. He never talked in the movie once. He delivers a line. Jake Gyllenhaal was yelling that line. Yeah, he's very like a like coked up car salesman type. Over the top. Yeah. Way too much. Now, you mentioned the drones. Really oh, cool. Wow. But this is what I'm talking about. Like Michael Bay can't couldn't keep the drones in his in his in his pocket. Well, they filmed this at the height of the pandemic, so they probably had some limitations and decided to just go with drones. I thought when it started, there were a couple of great drone shots, for sure. And he even Dude, they have, it. they have them flip and go right down the side of buildings. He even used it just like going run, rushing right up to the characters a couple of times, where you could tell this wasn't on like a dolly. The camera was like zooming right into the action. Awesome. I, I was like, wow, this is great. But in Michael Bay fashion, he goes to the well way too many times here. I mean, disagree. It, it gets to be to the point like, okay, it's okay, it's a drone. It's a drone. We get it, Michael. You have a drone. Leave it alone. Put it down. Eat some dinner. Then you can play with your drone some more. Uh, I mean, listen, I disagree. He's he's getting so close to the buildings. A couple times I felt like I was falling out of my seat. It was fun. I also didn't like the very beginning of the movie. We have the paramedics, the first responders, mm. in one of the most cheesiest scenarios of oh, all time. Oh, actually, that was a, that affected me. Oh, you got to be joking me. No. You got to be joking Anytime me. Anytime a little Th- kid that, gets that hurt. That was worse than than what would you see on that like Chicago Meds or PD whatever those shows are. This was this was garbage. All right, if you say so. I I I was I was like, ooh, it's kind of squirming in my seat. <laughs> I don't like seeing little kids in pain. It it was like soap opera. Ask. All right. I felt. So, I, I, I did not mind the opening. So that, from the opening for me, I was like, this is just going to be trash. And it worked me to the point where I was like, okay, this isn't all that bad, was when they have to do this surgery in the ambulance. Really? Because this is one of the most absurd scenes in the entire movie. It's just stupid how un- unplausible this is. <laughs> well. Can we set this up? I yeah, mean, let's okay. set it up. I mean, basically... In a nutshell, they have to perform a surgery in the back of an ambulance while they're being chased. By the entire L.A. police force. Right. And the ambulance is moving around, and it's not just a simple surgery. So they don't know how they can perform it. So they actually... Plus, there's no doctors on board. Right. There's an EMT, but she's not a surgeon. So she actually phones... 
FaceTimes. Right, right. No, it's Surgeons. on a laptop. So somehow they have Wi-Fi in there. But it's not really explained, but let's just go with it. And, and of course, the surgeons that she talks to are, are just waiting to tee off on the golf course. Right, no, so she calls her boyfriend. The and she, he's like, I don't know how to do this. Hang on, let me, let me call a friend and, and connect him to the call. And it's like two guys on the golf course and her boyfriend. And, it, and they're like, oh, you, you got to grab this artery and like open him up. I give them mad props for showing the entire gory. <laughs> it was gross. It was, it was really gross. They reach right into his like gut cavity. Uh, but man, where it goes, like you, I think this is the part of the movie where I just surrendered. I was just like, oh my God, this is like so stupid. It's great. And it was actually wound up being a bit of a jump scare in that moment it too. Did. Yeah. That, that's what I mean about getting to that plateau where it's just so ridiculous and crazy that okay now i'm just enjoying it because i realize they've they've gone so far past the line of believability right. that we're just supposed to just go along for the ride but so, it only happened at that moment for me then <laughs> after after that the movie still has got like another 40 minutes yeah. left after even it, that it, and they that, put the needle back into the groove and then that one it deflated again for me and so by the end when we meet this like gang member that more or less comes out of nowhere. It's it, they need somehow to end this thing, so they get this gang member involved, and uh, the ambulance is painted. They green. need a bad or bad guy to make the bad guys that we've been with the entire movie look like good guys. Right. Somehow now the bad guys look good, and to get away from the cops, they they hide under a bridge and they spray paint the ambulance green. It's that's just ridiculously dumb. Hey, it works in Grand Theft Auto, <laughs> and. It just deflated. The end then... I disagree. I, I liked thought, it. I thought, wow, it, it could have been something. And it went... It, it started to peak and it just fell for me. That's how I felt. All right. Um, I, I want to replace the term jump the shark with burst the spleen from, <laughs> from here on out. And I liked, I liked the tactics they used to try to evade the cops. But let's talk about how stupid the cops are in this movie and how ridiculous it was to introduce this like chief of special tactics, you know, like we're... We're special tactics. We can get anything done. We've got this mobile command center. We could see the entire city. And then I, I don't want to spoil anything, but let's just say he he uh, becomes completely irrelevant about two thirds of the way through the movie. And then this FBI guy comes in who's like, I, I went to school with <laughs> of course with this did. criminal. I know him inside and out. Like, man, the cops are dumb. The whole situation is dumb. It's just really bad. Yes. Did you not think that that was stupid? It was. Like, what a waste. Why did that it, person go? It was. And, and there's no way, I mean, to be absolutely, again, I mean, to analyze this film in, in any way concrete is, is pretty dumb in itself. But yes. there, there's no way that the cops could have been chasing this ambulance for that long, as close as they were. They would have stopped the ambulance at some point. They would have ran into it. You know what I mean? Like boxed it off or whatever they do. Eventually that would have happened. This wouldn't have went all the way through around Los Angeles 10 times the way they portray it. It just would never have happened. No, no. You just got to go with it. Well, it's a long movie, too. I thought to myself at one point, if they get back in that damn ambulance, I'm walking out of this theater, and man, they got back in that ambulance. <laughs> but you stayed. Yes, and I thought it was a little creepy that there was so many slow-mo shots at the end of... Uh, Isa, Isa, or is it Isa? Isa. 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 There are so many slow motion shots of Isa Gonzalez that I thought, oh, all right, Michael Bay, you're getting a little creepy here. He was going for like cheesecake shots. I yeah, think. I mean, it was just, it was just like right at the end. It was like a lot of like her walking this way. That was the hero shot. Oh, it was it was too much. 
Really, I didn't if, think if that you was one, exploitative. You get one of those shots, fine, but five, six, seven. It wasn't in a row, like he was, was focusing was in on her butt or something. Just saying. All right, you got a you got a quote for this. My movie, well, for my movie poster quote, I went with uh, a play on words here. Instead of bombastic, I went with baybastic. Baybastic. Okay, I like it. Mine is ambulance finally gets us to the action movie emergency room. How many jaws? I went two jaws. I went three. Did you really? <laughs> yeah, this is a dumb movie, but it's like a really fun, dumb action movie. Like, I think it was a good one. Just go go with it. It's fun. Matt gives it three jaws. I enjoyed this movie. Wow. I am stunned. Three jaws for Matt K. Two jaws for Rye the Movie Guy on Ambulance. It is out in theaters. If you've seen it and want to comment on this review or comment on the movie, you can shoot us a tweet. We're at Cinemajaw or an email, feedback at Cinemajaw.com. Because Michael Bay directed it, great time to talk about action movie directors, Matt. Why not? All right, I'll start off the list, Ryan. At number five, I have a guy who co-created the character John Wick. His name is Chad Stahelski, and he also went on to direct by himself the two John Wick um, sequels. So I think we can all agree John Wick revolutionized modern action, right? There had been this big lull, and then John Wick came and sort of revitalized the genre certainly revitalized Keanu Reeves' career. So he's an important director, I think. I'm pretty sure he was a stunt guy, correct? Yes, correct. Yeah. They both were. Phil, can you throw it in the fish tank? What 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 movies were he a, a, a stunt guy on? The guy who directed John Wick. Chad Stahelski. See, see what he was a stunt coordinator on. I'd like to know. But yeah, I agree. I didn't uh, even consider him. But you're right, the John Wick action. It's like, it's, it's like a genre onto itself. Agree. My number five pick is a female director who I probably a lot of people actually don't realize how prolific she is when it comes to action movies. And I'm speaking of Catherine Bigelow, the first woman to win the Oscar for Best Picture, or I should say Best. She did win Best Picture, best but also Best Director for The Hurt Locker. Well, it turns out that she directed Near Dark, I believe you like this film quite a bit, Blue Steel, which stars Jamie Lee Curtis, Point Break with Keanu Reeves, Strange Days, you got the cheesy but fun action movie, K-19, The Widowmaker with Harrison Ford, The Hurt Locker, as I mentioned, and then Zero Dark Thirty. So she has quite the resume when it comes to action movies. Yeah, she does. You, you really just can't take that away from her. She's one of the best. And I remember thinking, when I found out she directed Point Break was after, way after, it might have been around like when Hurt Locker came out. And I was like, wait a minute, she directed Point Break? It, it didn't seem like she was old enough. How, can we throw that in the uh, fish tank also, Phil? How old is Catherine Bigelow? It didn't seem like Catherine Bigelow would have been old enough to already been a director who would have made Point Break because that came out like early, late 80s, early 90s, right? Yeah, what's interesting is we're talking about two directors and they both work with Keanu Reeves so far. Wow. Weird. Or should I say, whoa. All right, at number four, this is where I put Guy Ritchie. I'm just a huge fan. Lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. Uh, 
kind of was one of my favorite movies for a while. I think it was almost Pulp Fiction-like, almost, you know, in in its own way. And then um, Snatch and uh, I'm trying to think of some of his other movies. He did Sherlock Holmes, and recently he did The Englishman. With, the Gentleman. Uh, the Gentleman, I'm sorry, um, with Matthew McConaughey and Colin Farrell. I love his style. You know, he's he's come back around to the style. I think he departed for a while. But the, the gentleman kind of brought him back. And we also had, I think it was last year, Wrath of Man. That was just decent. But for action. Yeah, Jason Statham kind of throwaway movie. He was on my list. I, I have honorable mention, so that's fine. But I agree. He has a distinct style when it comes to his action. You really see it in the Sherlock Holmes movies. My biggest complaint about it is I don't think his action style fit the Sherlock Holmes I'm character. Not gonna, yeah, I agree. It, it's I, I don't want to see that kind of crazy action no. style I like when it comes Engl- to my homes. The, the British know? street crime movies that he does are the best. Agree. For my number four pick, I go with, and this, this heavy hitter here, heavy hitter, the Wachowskis. Yeah. On your list or no? No. Okay. I mean, we, I, the Matrix, right? Right. Well, let's go over their, their filmography here. You got the Matrix films, and obviously we're talking this is a game changer, so you can't just say, yes, the Matrix films. Matrix, the first one, changes cinema. And then they up it in Matrix 2. We did a retro review of the Matrix movies, and we talked about how the highway scene is still absolutely incredible action-wise. Yeah, you know, the rest of the movie notwithstanding. I like it, though. I'm okay with number two. Three gets a little whatever. All right. I I thought four was great. I'm a fan. Speed (sighs) Racer. You're alone. Speed Racer, you convinced me to finally watch it. The action sequences, off the hook. I love Speed Racer. Jupiter Ascending, I don't like the movie all that much, but man, the action scenes, and they're shot in Chicago, so I, I may have some uh, bias here. Absolutely spectacular. And then you have V for Vendetta, which doesn't have a ton of action, but the action that it does have, well done. So the Wachowskis, I think, need to be mentioned here. All right. I mean... Especially for The Matrix. It's a game changer, right? There's before The Matrix and after The Matrix. That swings us into our number threes. And I'm going with a man whose name is practically synonymous with action. Jackie Chan. And some of his movies absolutely changed my life when I saw him for the first time. The Legend of Drunken Master and Police Story in particular are two of the best uh, martial arts action movies, maybe of all time. I mean, they're up there with anything Bruce Lee did, in my opinion. And not only did Jackie Chan star in them, but he also directed them. And, you know, I think he changed fight choreography and, and martial arts movies for the better, for, you know, for all the movies to come. And he added just the right touch of humor to it as well. He was great. Love Jackie Chan. This is one of my blind spots. Just his, in general, his filmography. I have not seen that many Jackie Chan movies. Obviously, I'm familiar with some, but when you mention those that you just did, haven't seen. Okay, those are the two to watch, for sure. I mean, they're really all decent, but those two are my favorite. Nice pick. Super Cop's good, too. Yep. My number three was Guy Ritchie. That's where I had him. I'm going to sub in Paul Greengrass okay. at number I'm three. I'm surprised. Really, you didn't have Greengrass on your list? I, I had him on there, and I you, took him off and switched him. You Jason Bourne. I know, but he only directed the... The, the, the best one. Yeah, well, he, yes. The, not the first, but he did the second, third, and then he did Jason Bourne, which is a, a crapper. But the, the 
close-up handheld style that he brought to the Jason Bourne movies, again, a bit of a game changer. Yes, there is handheld and other directors do it, but not quite as good as Greengrass does it. There was something about the, the Bourne movies right off the bat that were like, whoa, this is so much better than Bond. And then Bond came back with that sort of realism, that fight choreograph, right. the camera right in your face. All of that was born right before it. Was it. Like right? it was like a spy movie arms race. Exactly. All of a sudden it was like, oh my God, what is this? What is what, are, what is Paul Greengrass doing here? And he, he everything else though, the reason why I left him off was it's still just that. He did Green Zone with Matt Damon, more or less the same exact thing. He did do United 93. He's got some other films you know, in his filmography, but nothing that great that needs to be mentioned outside of the Bourne movies. But Greengrass, I'll fill him in as a sub for Guy Ritchie. Nice. All right, that gets us into our number twos. And this is where I put uh, the, the absolutely superlative George Miller, one of the best living directors. And uh, if nothing else than just the Mad Max trilogy, that that's good enough, in my opinion. I mean, the first two Mad Max movies are great. Road Warriors, my particular favorite out of the first three, and then you got um, Fury Road. Holy crap, was that an amazing movie? That was a best picture, in my opinion. That in itself, Fury Road alone. If all we had directed was Fury Road, he he'd have to at least be an honorable mention. You know what I mean? I if it agree. was just that, it's that impressive of an action movie. It really is. It's just a over-the-top great. It is. My number two pick, we, we talk a lot about Ridley Scott on the podcast, yeah, obviously. I was He's wondering. a legend, and yeah. he comes up, but I'm not going with Ridley Scott. Oh, okay. I'm going with his brother. Oh. The late, great Tony Scott. This guy has unbelievable filmography, especially when it comes to action films. I'm going to name a few of them. Beverly Hills Cop 2, Crimson Tide, Enemy of the State, Man on Fire, Domino, he None was, of those are really A-list action movies. They're all really good action movies, though. Okay, and, they are. And when you look at his filmography, he didn't do any other genre, right? There, there's other ones, like Ridley Scott, his brother. He does action, and he does sci-fi. Sci-fi, yeah. But he also does, like, say, Thelma and Louise. He's, he's all over the place. But when you look at Tony Scott, his filmography, he also did True Romance. His, his filmography is, is a constant with action movies. I mean, I'm not going to argue. I think he's he's he he lived in the shadow of his brother largely, and maybe got some of. And listen, I'm not saying this is a fact. I'm saying maybe some of the jobs came a little easier because of who he was. But he held his own. He made some good movies. I think it's a little high at number two. Mm, I don't think so at all. I like my Tony Scott. Yeah, I think you're reaching. I wonder if we're going to have the same number one here. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think there's really only one choice. I do too. One. This is the guy that gave us Die Hard, Predator, the last action hero. You just mentioned this guy. I did just mention this guy. The Hunt for Red October uh, and Medicine Man, which happens to be one of my favorite movies. <laughs> I love that you're giving me grief on Tony Scott, and now you're talking about Whoa. Medicine Man. <laughs> Whoa. I'm not saying Medicine Man is a great action movie, but I'm just throwing that into his filmography, and it is John McTiernan. This guy is a legend. If he had only made Predator, I think, just like George Miller, he would be worthy for this list. But to make Predator and Die Hard? Come on, dude. That's big. How do you argue with this? 
There's no doubt. I, I saw it and I thought to myself, I wonder if Matt brings him up back-to-back podcasts. Yes. We'll see. You're damn straight I do. He's, a, he's the best action director. Who do you got? All right. I for sure have the best action director. I don't think you do yes. if it's not John McTiernan. No, and he also came up on last podcast that we did. Did he direct to Pre- Predator and Die Hard? No, he did not. All right, then what do you got? But here? he did direct Aliens, Terminator, Terminator 2. This is so boring. True Lies, The Abyss, Titanic, Avatar. James Cameron is the best action director of all time. Hands down. I don't even think it's a question. And I'll go as far as to say... I think that is a boring-ass pick. I'll go as far, as far as to say that Terminator 2 is still, to this day, the best action movie of all time. There you go. I've said it, and I, I stand by it. I would, I would argue with that. Terminator 2 is one of the best movies of all time, but I don't know if it's so tightly... It's not so tightly tied to the action genre. It's like sci-fi action, you know? Uh, there's a lot of action in there. There is a lot of action in there, but like, it's not necessarily one that I think of as like an action movie, like Die Hard or Predator. How about the chase scene when the, the truck is on, and then the motorcycle and the truck? Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. That shot with the truck coming off the bridge. Absolutely incredible. Iconic. Yes. How about the helicopter scene uh, flying around the office building in the Okay, take, take Terminator jumps into the helicopter. It's literally insane. Take Terminator Two out of James Cameron's filmography. Okay, then Aliens still fantastic. No, Aliens isn't James Cameron. Yes, Aliens with a S. That was Ridley Scott. No, he did Alien. Okay, James Cameron did Aliens, action movie. Then you have Terminator, the original Terminator. Yes, it's a low budget, but look what he did on yeah. a low budget. It's Incredible. You remember when True Lies came out, Jamie Lee Curtis dangling on from a helicopter? Yeah. Insane. Literally insane. I remember... I mean, it was my, green screen, but yeah, it was I, cool. I was stunned at the time when I saw it. I remember thinking, like, how did they pull this off? It was incredible. The Abyss is great. I know you don't like Titanic, but there's no denying the destruction of the ship was literally incredible. And then Avatar... The the last hour of Avatar is nothing I thought you were but about a to say, massive battle scene. It's incredible. Avatar The Last Airbender? <laughs> no. I think James Cameron by far is the right choice when we're talking action uh, directors. It's debatable. He is pretty freaking good. All right. Honorable mentions yeah. here before we go to break. I, I mentioned one. I filled him in. Paul Greengrass. Actually, what's odd is that Doug Lyman, who directed Go, also directed the Firstborn movie, and he directed... Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise. All great movies. So I, I listed him. I had George Miller, Michael Mann, more shootout yeah. stylized action, in, in but should be mentioned. And then finally, uh, Steven Spielberg. You ever hear of this guy? Yeah. Again, I don't think of him as an action director. Either do I. That's why only an honorable mention. But he does do some damn good action. He's just a good all-around filmmaker. I mean, even you think of a movie like um, Saving Private Ryan, don't necessarily think of it as an action movie. It's a war movie, but man, some amazing scenes. All right, I have Brian De Palma. Should be noted, you know? He's done some great action stuff. Um, John Woo. Mm, yeah, John Woo's got it. And I, a couple of brothers, the Russos. They did, of course, they did the the, uh, the Avengers movies, and they also did Extraction. They did Cherry. Um, so I, I think they have a fairly decent action pedigree going on. I mean, the Avengers alone. Let's be let's be honest here. 
Jawheads, if we missed your favorite action director and you have Twitter pulled up, shoot us a tweet. We are at Cinema Jaw. We'll get the discussion going there. What we're going to do is take a break, and when we come back, we have a review of everything, everywhere, all at once, plus Matt is going to try not to be stumped on Jake Gyllenhaal movie trivia. Stick with us. The great thing about Nicolas Cage is he makes a bad movie worth watching. We all wait for his big freakout scene, and it delivers time and time again. Example? The crappy movie Ghost Rider still has some Nick Cage highlights, such as this one. John? You're talking again. I talk to a lot of people. Hey, I got what you need for those shakes, my friend. Kerrigan must have told me about that thing that killed his men last night, huh? Yeah? That thing is inside of me. See, you're a bad man. And this thing, the writer, he feeds on Batman and he's hungry. He's hungrier than he's been years and that's why I'm shaking. Because right now, the only thing standing between you and the writer is me. And he's just... He's, he's scraping at the door. Scraping at the door. Who am I if you don't tell me what I want to know? I'm gonna let him out. And when he's done with you, there won't be anything left. Do you understand? Do you understand? Shake your head yes or no. Good, good girl. Where's Kerrigan? What's a kid? The kid Kerrigan is! You will tell me I would eat just think it's so good! The glory! Oh Lord God, poor man! He's putting together a goddamn army! I know the place. You're not gonna mention this conversation to anyone, are you? The jaw doesn't stop with the podcast. If you want to continue on listening to us talk about movies and give reviews, you can turn to YouTube. That's right, Ryan. You sure can. We have animations, reviews, and oftentimes you will get our thoughts even quicker on YouTube because we're getting right out of the theater recording stuff and getting it up as quickly as possible. Join us there. We think it's a lot of fun. And we are back on Cinema Jaw. Matt, before we get to that review of Everything, Everywhere, and play some trivia, we did throw a few items into the fish tank. We did. Yes. And I know Phil... Always likes to swim up to the top. Let us know what we missed. Let's open up that fish tank. Wait a moment. It's fish, isn't it? DC, wake up, wake up. No, Pat, it's a giant glass bowl. Hey, get some fish, folks. Who's coming with me besides Flipper? Here. That's a second message. That means Luca Brasi sleeps with the fishes. You're going to need a bigger boat. Hello. It's so great to be out here this week. <clears throat> we uh, we only have two things in here. You guys are pretty easy on me. One of these kicks ass. One of these is probably... I, Matt and Ryan are the only two who can see me at this moment. And I hope that over Zoom, they can see my effervescence and my glow to share this fact. Uh it is truly the most excited I've been about any fish tank item we've ever he, had. He is glowing. Yeah. And it is, what movies was Chad Stahelski a stunt performer on? And holy shit. 
there is a lot of cool movies in here. This mofo was Brandon Lee's stunt double in The Crow. Okay, so we're oh, starting wow. off pretty good. We all we Escape from L.A. is in there. The Dukes of Hazard was in there, and it's he is credited as Johnny Knoxville's stunt that he was the stuntman for a professional jackass. If that does not mean something to you guys, I don't know where you have been. And then, okay, V for Vendetta, I Am Legend, Speed Racer, Tron Legacy, several X-Men and Deadpool movies, and the cherry on the top of this Stahelski cake. We all know he co-created John Wick. Matt brought it up at the beginning. Unarguably, the start of the Keanu Sans. Chad Stahelinski, early on, was a stuntman for Keanu himself in the Matrix films. That's wow. where that Holy connection cow. had to have come from. That is awesome. That's insane. That is some good Incredible. research by Phil. Yes. There's a reason I glow. <laughs> that Honestly, is awesome. And this is no shade to Catherine Bigelow. I feel so, so deeply empathetic for her position that she has to follow up that. And it's also <laughs> with something that's like... Not that exciting. If someone, if there was Phil, like Phil, a, this is Phil, this is what I want. I want that same enthusiasm and excitement as you give us the fact of how old Catherine Bigelow is. <laughs> she's 70. Bow, 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 bow. <laughs> One foot 70? in the grave. Yeah, she's 70. Wow. Damn. So she was old enough uh, when Point Break came out. I didn't know she was 70 years old. Holy This cow, is what I'm no saying, idea. and it's not even good news. <laughs> I yeah. get offended when people call me my own age and I'm 28 and I have an existential crisis. You know, you could read these out of order if you want to. <laughs> uh, maybe I should have. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> all right. Was that everything, Phil? That's all we got. Jump back in that fish tank. You bet. Matt, in 2016, the directing duo of Daniel Kwan and Daniel Skyert, known as Daniels, gave us Swiss Army Man, a movie that saw a dead Harry Potter farting and Paul Dano going mad as he dragged his body around. It was out there. And while I liked it, I was not blown away by it. And I can see why some people would flat out hate it. I had no idea their second film, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, would be as groundbreaking and as impactful and as, and as beautiful as it is. Quite simply, this is a masterpiece of the highest order, a film that should be cherished by all because films this special don't come around too often. What's happening? Evelyn, I'm not your husband. I'm another version of one from another universe. I'm here because we need your help. Very busy today, a whole time to help you. Across the multiverse, I've seen thousands of Evelyns. You can access all their memories, their emotions, even their skills. There's a great evil spreading throughout the many verses. And you may be your only chance of stopping it. Don't make me fight you. I am really good. I don't believe you. I'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to explain what the film is about. I'll just give you the basics. The film centers on an Asian family led by Michelle Yao, 
who plays Evelyn. Evelyn, along with her husband, Wyman, run a struggling laundromat. They have a daughter, Joy, and there is an aging grandfather of the family as well. They head to an IRS office to look over their taxes. This is all I'm saying plot-wise, and that may sound boring. What you already know or should know is that the film deals with the multiverse and does so more creatively than we have seen on the big screen thus far. And speaking of creativity, oh my God, this film has so many original and wild concepts and they are blooming everywhere you look. But that is not all. The film also takes you on an emotional journey that will touch every human that watches it because during its two hours and 20 minute runtime, it somehow shows us how insignificant the human experience can be and at the same time shows us what makes that same human experience so precious, loving, beautiful, and so unique. I did not have a stopwatch on me, but my guess is for a full 35 minutes straight, I watched this movie with a smile on my face with tears consistently leaking out of both of my eyes as I watched one of the most magnificent segments in film history unfold. I was blown away. Everything, everywhere, all at once shows us the possibilities of cinema in full force. This is the kind of movie you remember where you were when you saw it and who you were with and how good it made you feel as you walked out of the theater. I have not even mentioned that it is also hilarious and full of amazing action sequences. Michelle Yao rocks. It really has it all. Very seldom, Matt. Very, very seldom. Maybe even never have I walked out of a theater having seen a film just one time and known I've seen one of the all-time greats. But I can say that with confidence here. It's a film that will define the 2020s. The visuals on screen the performances from the whole cast, have not even mentioned Jamie Lee Curtis is in this, combined with the soul-stirring score result in a film I hope everyone has the chance to see. For the rest of my life, when someone asks me, why do I like movies so much, I have my answer. Everything, everywhere, all at once. God damn, Rye. So you like this movie. <laughs> Jesus, I, listen, we've been doing Cinema Jaw for 12 years now, and I have never heard you glow about a movie like that, ever. Never. Never. I wow. agree. This is the best movie you've seen the whole time we've been doing Cinema Jaw? Probably, yes. Wow. I, would, I, I, I can't a, believe I missed this. Viewing. I'm so pissed off I missed this one, man. <laughs> well, the great news, it is playing now in theaters. It's, a, it's getting a wide release. It's getting a wide release, yes. So, truth be told, this was playing... Uh, the, the press screenings, you were sick with COVID. We were recording The Last Jaw, and I was going on the cruise, and I was actually going to try to go to that last press screening on the Thursday before I'm supposed to leave, and I need to pack, and I thought, ah, I just better do the right thing and just not go to the press screening. I needed the time to, to get ready for the trip, and so I didn't go. I avoided reviews. I just knew this was going to be a good movie. I saw some blurbs when it came out of South by Southwest, by the way, I'm so jealous of the people who saw it at South by Southwest because we've been at, even say the Chicago Film Critics um, Fest when we saw Red Rocket and you get that energy There's at a, a film festival. There's yeah. a buzz. Yeah. It, it just elevates the, the film going experience. It does. To see this movie in a festival, 
I am so jealous of the people that, that saw this. I mean, it, it had to be life-changing. I'm not even joking. Because I saw this at the AMC 21. Pretty good crowd for a, a, a Wednesday night. You know, it was in limited release. Was it, was it a press screening? Not a press just, screening. Oh, just general just public? General public. And you could tell everybody was right on board with it. It ended with a huge applause. Wow. At, for, at, for a movie nobody's expecting. Right. And everybody sat through the credits. It was just... I, I came out just... I, I, I'm like a whole nother level emotionally. Like I, it, it, I, you know, I just got done with the, with the vacation. You call that like vacation blues when you were looking some, uh, so forward to something. And then when it's done, yeah. you sort of get in a, a rut. Right? Yeah. 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 So, so I come home and it's back to like, ah, oh, geez, it's back to like work and just doing yeah. the, the normal day to day. I got to admit, to be honest, I was in a bit of a rut for, for listeners out there. If, if you're dealing with any type of depression or know a friend that's depressed, Take them to this movie. Wow. It really, really, like great art will, will shake you. It will stir you. It, wow. It shows Ryan. you of everything that is great about humanity. Hmm. Holy crap. You really like this thing. Oh, I loved it. Dude, no, I, I won't even ask you how many Jaws, because obviously. So, before we get there, before okay. we get there, um, I do have to mention, the husband is actually played by Jonathan Ki Kwan, mm-hmm. who is best known as Short Round and Data from the Goonies. Sure. That he is the husband in this movie. He's so brilliant in here. Is it strange seeing him all grown up? It, it, a little bit. I mean, you can definitely tell this is, you know, data from the, the Goonies. But, you know, he, he's got like a soft, delicate side to him. And it, it just plays perfectly for that character. And I mean, again, to the creativeness of how wild this movie is. Matt, we get everything from bagels to butt plugs, hot dog fingers. It, it is so out there and yet so real it, it's fantastic amazing how how these guys daniels were able to pull this off I, I can't fathom how they made this movie um best scene or a jaw-dropping moment there's so many to choose from a couple of amazing combat scenes with michelle yao i mean the action and the way it's choreographed is fantastic the first time she actually fights jamie lee curtis is in a stairwell and it's just i mean you're like laughing and you're excited i mean there's just a buzz to this movie and an energy to it. It's incredible. But I have to say it got really uh, special when we see these two rocks, just two rocks is what I'm talking about <laughs> on screen in a large Valley. And I can, I, I can only liken it to how it made me feel emotionally to something out of like a 2001, a space odyssey. Like, you know, Oh, this is something special. When they got to the scene with the two rocks and when Jawheads, maybe they've seen it out there or you're about to, when they get to the scene with the two rocks, it is when it starts to click into like, oh, this this is a, this, this is, is something. A that, yeah, this is unbelievable. Incredible movie. Um, get out there and see it. I've never done this before. Um, well, I want to give it five jaws. Is it possible? Hey, we're on a four jaw scale. It's not possible, Ryan. Four jaws, of course, but I would go five. If I got a movie poster quote, very simple. One of the greatest movie going experience I've ever had. Wow. So. And that, that you are a tough critic. I am. I was completely blown away. And l- let me pull up Twitter here it's for a April, second. April, and this is the first time you have given a four jaw review for anything. And so, so then I got to come home from the theater and I, I took public trans and biked down, you know, sort of a combination and so I'm, I'm coming home I'm biking and I'm 
just thinking about the movie and, and how it made me feel. To be absolutely honest, I, I don't even know if this has ever happened. I was almost like teary-eyed on the way home. I was still emotional over the Were movie. Were you high? I mean, seriously. Were you... I, I don't like to discuss my, you know, my <laughs> personal, you know. Okay. But, all right, here we go. I'm, I'm coming home. I'm like, oh my God, this is absolutely incredible. I can't believe it. So when I finally get home, I think the same thing. What's going on here? Am I just being just ridiculous that I, I had that experience, you know? So I pull up Twitter and I type in uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Okay. And the first reaction I get is from the director, Mike Flanagan, who has directed a lot of horror films, most notably The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix and that whole series. Here's his tweet, and it was the top tweet on it, from Mike Flanagan. Everything, everywhere, all at once is one of the best films I have ever seen, period, ever, period, in my whole life, period, ever, period. I was crying. I was smiling for well over an hour. Holy hell, I'm speechless. Wow. That's from a fellow director. Then he followed that up the next day because he was still thinking about it with another tweet about the film in which he says, Still thinking about everything, everywhere, all at once. One of the very best movies I have ever, ever, all caps, seen in my entire life. Full stop. No hyperbole. No exaggeration. A true masterpiece. See this film as soon as you possibly can. Jesus. And, Man, I got to see this movie. And then as you go through Twitter, I see that everybody else is having this reaction. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so fantastic. Can't wait to share this with the jawheads and hear what they think about this movie. Dude, after I see this movie, can we talk about it again? Oh yeah, we'll definitely talk about okay. it again. Right. We, we, don't, we don't usually do that on No, but we'll definitely do it again. It's a film to be celebrated. I'm definitely going to see it a second time in the theater, so maybe we can... You know, go and check it out. Hell yeah. Okay. So, although I'll probably go this week. It, it is playing everywhere, Jawheads. It's, they're doing, it, it is wide, and I think it's even in another week going to expand even more. It's from A24. They know how to roll out the films. They're, they're fantastic. What a movie. What a movie. <laughs> wow. Yeah. There you go. All right. We're going to end this with some movie trivia. Right. As I mentioned at the top, we've done Jake Gyllenhaal trivia before, so I had to. Crank it up a notch here. So this is what I call very difficult Jake Gyllenhaal movie trivia. I don't even think you need to go very difficult. Three questions. Matt gets correct. He is not stumped. He misses three. We have stumped him. You ready, Matt? I'm ready. Jake's first credit in a movie came in the year 1991. Was it for Father of the Bride, City Slickers, other people's money or the man in the moon. He had a credit in one of those movies. I believe it is Father of the Bride. Good guess, but incorrect. Is it City Slickers? It is City Slickers. Damn it. Should have gone with my gut. City Slickers. Matt, 0 for 1. Go on to question 2. Are you ready? I'm ready. But are you really right? Are they all multiple choice? No, that was just that one. Oh, damn it. <laughs> this is a tough one. Jake Gyllenhaal has made two movies with Anne Hathaway. Name them both. Oh, holy hell, man. You didn't need to make them difficult. <laughs> I'll be lucky if I can think of one of them. Anne Hathaway, Jake Gyllenhaal have worked together twice. One of them we reviewed on the show... One was before we started Cinema Jaw. Well, she, she wasn't in Velvet Buzzsaw. She was not. No, that was not one of them. She wasn't in Nightcrawler. No, she was not. And Jake Gyllenhaal's not in Interstellar. 
<laughs> no, he's not. Dude, I can't think of any. <laughs> are they both in like Batman or something? What? 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 We are looking for Brokeback Mountain and ah, Love yeah. and Other Drugs. Love and Other Drugs, which we reviewed here on. Uh, you might not have seen it, but I know I reviewed I've it. I've never on, seen on Love and Other Drugs. Yeah. yeah. All right. It, it, Matt is 0 for 2. Two questions. He has got two incorrect. And they usually get harder as we go. Yeah, but I think this is your best chance to get one correct. Besides ambulance. Donnie Darko. <laughs> besides ambulance. Get a load of this. This is unbelievable. Besides ambulance, Jillian Hall has made. 17 other movies that have one-word titles. <laughs> he, is, he is the master of one-word title movies. Name four of them. Okay, Nightcrawler. That's one. Ah, man, see, I can't really come up with his filmography right now. Does Spider-Man count? No. That's a long, there's like, yeah, but no, it's just Spider-Man and then there's a subtitle. No, 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 no. Ah, Nightcrawler, Donnie Darko's two, um, Jake Gyllenhaal, Mm. Prince of Persia. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dude, I can't think of any. Give me a hint. Come on. Give me a hint. Okay. One of them had Iron Man in it. And they were looking for a serial killer. Zodiac. That's there you go. Man, I forgot about that. Um, dude, I'm not gonna get two more. One was a boxing movie. Brothers. That's not a boxing movie, but that was one of them. That's three. Warrior? Incorrect. All right, Ooh. here we go. We had Jarhead, Brothers, Nightcrawler, Life, Everest, Southpaw, Enemy. Prisoners, Stronger, Zodiac, Source Code, Wild Wildlife, Proof, Demolition Man, Highway, Demolition Man's two words. It's listed as one. Homegrown, Oakjaw, Rendition. He wasn't in Source Code? Source Code, two words. Source Code is one. You're telling me Demolition Man is one word. No, it's Demolition. One, just Demolition. you said Demolition Man. Demolition. Okay. Yeah, and I also didn't think he was in. Um, all right. I'm looking we, up source code because, yeah, it is two words. All yeah, right, all right. It Fine. Is, all right. It, it, Matt has uh, been stumped. He does not have one correct after three questions. But isn't it amazing? He makes so many one-word titles. That is pretty weird. Yeah, very strange. Question four is over to you, Matt. Here we go. What was the name of the cop movie Jake Gyllenhaal made with Michael Pena that came out in 2012? Jesus, man. <laughs> oh, man. I like to watch you squirm. Michael Pena from Ant-Man, that guy? Yes. Made a cop movie with Gyllenhaal Oh, it was a great one. It's a great one, too. I have no idea. I'm not going to... End of watch. End of watch. I did, I did see that, too. That was incorrect, Matt. It does not have one right here. He's got four wrong. Last question. Can he get one right? Can he get on the board? I here it is. I could do this to you, you know. I could write some. I know, I know. Tough questions. Here it is. Yeah. These are tough. In 2016, Jake Gyllenhaal made a movie with Amy Adams and Michael Shannon, and me and you split on it big time. Name the movie. 2016 epic argument here on Cinema Jaw. Jake Gyllenhaal 
in a movie with Amy Adams and Michael Shannon. It was about an author. It's about an author? Yes. Uh, so it wasn't a sci-fi movie? No. And we split on it, huh? Yes. I was very high on it. You and didn't I thought like it was it a so pile? Much. I don't remember. Mm. Nocturnal Animals. Oh, God, yeah. What a piece of crap movie. I love that movie. I love Nocturnal Animals. It's just mean-spirited mm. filth. It's great. And don't get me wrong. I love me some mean-spirited filth, but that was just too mean even for me. Wow. Well, Matt misses all five hard Jake Gyllenhaal questions. I do want to call it. It was hard Jake Gyllenhaal. You mentioned that right yep. at the top. Yeah. So That had the disclaimer. Yeah. Matt goes 0 for 5. We did stump him this week. Yeah. Hey, never put hard in front of the <laughs> trivia. It's hard enough. I know. Jesus, man. It was funny because I looked at his filmography and I thought, God, I've asked so many questions about Jake Gyllenhaal through the years. I better step it up a, a, a notch. You you read all your, your uh, um, trivia questions out longhand? So you Not can't anymore. search them? Oh, yeah. They're all they're all on here. Oh, okay. They're all, all right. on Evernote. So you can go through all your Jake Gyllenhaal questions. I could, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You could have asked me the same questions. Yeah. At, at some point, I have so many trivia written that I got to do like a, a game. You know, I could you come should. up with like a board game or something online. Movie I got all trivia. these questions. You I should. literally have almost a That's thousand I've questions. Been, I've been racking my brain for something that Cinema Jaw can do. We could make a trivia game. You we know, could. Just like a box of cards like Trivial Pursuit. Okay. And put it out to the Jawheads. Why don't we sell it at Target? Yeah, hey, maybe we could, but we could like test it out with the patrons and give it to them for free or something. Because we want people to buy this, I think my face should be on the cover. No, we want people to buy this. <laughs> <laughs> Tough crap. Tough crap. All right, brings us to the end of a great jaw. First and foremost, we got to thank our engineer, our producer, Phil. Me and Phil. You know, especially after our spring break, there is so truly nowhere else I would rather be than on this podcast tonight. Thanks, Phil. That means a lot to hear. We also got to thank our sponsors. Yep. Thanks to, thanks to Overcast and thanks to the Chicago Podcast Co-op. Matt, we should also thank our Patreons. We really should. Yeah. We're, we're, uh, we got some cool stuff over there. So if you're not already there, check it out. We're about to talk about Chris Rock, Will Smith, the slap. Yes, the slap heard around the world. The other way you can support us is by leaving us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Please do. And, and click subscribe, too. That really helps us out. It does. Until next week, I'm Ryan the Movie Guy. I'm Matt Kay. And, and keep, keep on John about, about the movies. movies.